Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. If I haven't met you before, I'm Ben. I'm the uh, community pastor here. And today is a bit of an interesting day because I'm not actually preaching my own sermon. I'm preaching Adam's sermon. You see, Adam uh, unfortunately contracted COVID earlier this week, and um, he has to stay in isolation. So um, he's doing okay. He's, he's recovering, and his symptoms are starting to mellow out a bit. Uh, but I was handed a sermon and, and told, um, well, you'll be preaching this week. So what I've done is I've uh, massaged it a bit and adapted it a little bit, tried to make it my own. Um, but I really just want to apologize. I'm not as funny as normal. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But it is pretty amazing. It's kind of risk-free. Like, I can preach, and if it's terrible, Adam's email address is adam at oasis. No, <laughs> kidding as well. But... um. Yes, so we're going to start off just by acknowledging that, and um, one of the encouraging things I found that as I was reading through it, Adam's just unpacking God's Word, and that's why we're here this morning. We're not here to hear from Adam or from Ben, but just to hear God speak, and so I can preach this with confidence because I really believe this is just a great, just opening up of God's Word to us. So I'm going to pray for us, ask God to make this time fruitful, and pray for Adam and his family as they continue to recover, and then we'll get into it. Father, um, yeah, we just thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you that you are the, the ultimate shepherd over your sheep here, that you feed us, you care for us. And we just pray that your word would do a rich work in us this morning. We pray for Adam, that you'd heal him and restore his health, that you protect the rest of the family, Lord, as Molly cares for the kids, bless her and sustain her. And Lord, we just pray, we turn our attention to, to your word now. We receive it, come under it. And we are, we're really just excited to see what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So when I was in high school, uh, we had to read this book for English. It's called The Outsiders. And in The Outsiders, it basically tells the story of a guy called Ponyboy Curtis. He was from Oklahoma. He was 14 year, years old. And both his parents died in a car crash, which left him wondering where he fits. So along with his brothers he became part of a gang called the Greasers. The Greasers gave him a sense of belonging. But he still had this nagging sense that he didn't really fit. So after a traumatic event where a Greaser kills a rival gang member, he starts to wonder if he fits anywhere. He starts to feel even more like an outsider. And I wonder if you've ever felt like an outsider yourself in some sort of situation. Perhaps you travel to a different country, different customs, different languages, and, and you, you felt, yes, I'm an outsider here. Perhaps it was a social event or at a party, you didn't have any friends or you didn't fit in with those who were there, you felt like an outsider. Or perhaps it was in church, maybe you felt on the outside of what was happening that day or perhaps here, and you didn't feel like you really fit in with what was happening, that you weren't in on it. Sadly, many people feel like outsiders with God. And the reason so many feel that is because there's partly some truth to it. Ever since the fall in Genesis 3, ever since humanity rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, we were banished from the Garden. We were expelled from God's presence. And that's why that flaming sword was there at the entrance guarding it. It was a symbolic way of saying that the way into God's presence was blocked and we've been haunted by it ever since. But this is what makes the unfolding message of the Bible such good news. 
This is why the gospel is such good news, because it is an announcement that in Christ, God is making outsiders insiders again. God is reconciling human beings to himself. God is bringing us home. This is the message of the story that we're looking at today. In our passage, God sends Philip, this ordinary believer, on a long journey out to this deserted road to reach one outsider with the love and the message of Christ. We're in a series right now called To the Ends of the Earth. We're studying the book of Acts together. And last week, as we began in chapter 8, we saw that Philip went out to Samaria. Remember how we learned about the Samaritans? They were viewed by the Jewish people as heretics and half-breeds. But Philip went out with with this incredible passion for Jesus, shared the gospel with, with them, and they responded to the gospel in droves. And now this week, Philip is sent with the good news to an Ethiopian eunuch, to this man who is an outsider in every sense of the word. He's an outsider, outsider ethnically, sexually, religiously, culturally. He's about as far outside the people of God as you can get. But through the initiative of God and through the word of the gospel and the obedience of Philip, he is brought near to God and brought into God's family. This story matters for all of us. If you're not a believer here this morning, if you feel on the outer with God, this story shows us that no matter what your background, no matter what your story, no matter how you feel about yourself or your past, God loves the outsider. God pursued the outsider in this story. And he has removed every barrier between you and coming to Jesus, coming into God's presence. If you are a believer in Jesus, and you sometimes feel like you're a second-rate Christian. Perhaps you're not on the, in the inner circle. You, you feel like you don't know your Bible well enough or that you aren't spiritual enough. This story reminds us that there is nothing we can do to make God accept us more. We've been accepted by God in grace through Jesus. He offers us welcome on terms of grace. It also shows us that the good news is for everyone. So if there's anyone in your life that you think they're just so hardened to the gospel, they are just so against the gospel and against Jesus, there's anyone that you ever thought that there's no way they'll ever become a Christian. This story in the Bible is, is there to show us that God's arm is not too short to save and that God is a God who loves outsiders. So let's explore this beautiful story under three headings. The God who sends, the word which saves, and the eunuch who believes. First, the God who sends. Last week, we saw Philip enjoying this thriving ministry in Samaria. He went to this place, he started sharing the good news about Jesus, and people started responding, putting their faith in Jesus. They started repenting, turning away from ruling their own lives and coming under the lordship of Jesus and being baptized. And God was doing these amazing miracles and signs and wonders through Philip. And it's kind of baffling that God comes to Philip with this amazing ministry. He's about to launch his first mega church. And he just tells Philip, leave this place, go south, and I want you to go to this deserted road near Gaza. This is what he says, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So let's just put a map on the screen for a moment, show you where Philip is. Philip is 
in this sort of central northern area. And, and God tells him to travel hundreds of kilometers down past Jerusalem, down to sort of this dusty, unknown road towards Gaza. It's a little baffling. He's ministering among the crowds, and he gets sent out to this desert road. It's like Philip is being told, I want you to go from the thriving ministry you have in Brisbane City, and I want you to go out to the road that leads to Longreach, to Mount Isa. I don't even want you to go to the town, I just want you to go to that road where nothing is. It must have surprised Philip, but Philip admirably obeys. We read in verse 27, so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now who was this man? Well first, he was an African man. In modern day terms, we wouldn't say he was from Ethiopia, we'd say he was from Sudan in modern day terms. He was also a successful man. He was a government official. He looked after the affairs of the Ethiopian queen. He was like the CFO, which means he was successful and prosperous. And on the way back, he's chauffeured by this chariot. So he's obviously a man of means. And, and the fact that he's reading the scroll of Isaiah means he's got a lot of money as well, because you couldn't just download an app for free back then. To get a, your own scroll of the Bible was pretty expensive. So this man was successful, he was rich, but his success had come at a cost. We're also told that he was a eunuch, which means he was castrated. That was a common occurrence in the ancient world if you worked in royal families and that sort of thing. The royal family didn't want any of the princesses having babies with the employees, essentially. So sexually speaking as well, he was an oddity. He was an outsider. And this is who Philip meets on the road to Gaza. He was an outsider in every sense of the word. He was an outsider ethnically. He wasn't Jewish. He was an outsider sexually. He was a eunuch. He was an outsider religiously and culturally. And yet somehow he's heard about Israel's God. Acts 8, 27 to 28 says, This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So this man was a sincere worshipper, even though being a eunuch barred him from being fully accepted by Judaism. When he would have arrived at the temple to worship, he would have been barred from entering in the inner court with the rest of Israel. He would have had to stay in the outer court where foreigners could worship. But he couldn't go any further in. He, he would have known that he was an outsider, that he could only go so far with God. So it's amazing that God goes to such great lengths to send Philip all the way from Samaria to Gaza because he cared for this one outsider. He wanted to reach this one outsider with the love and with the message of the gospel. And this teaches us something. It teaches us that God loves outsiders. We know this is true because God is the one who takes the initiative in the story from start to finish. God is the one who sends Philip from Jerusalem down towards Gaza. God promise, promise, prompts Philip to go over to the chariot. God ordains for the Ethiopian eunuch to be reading from Isaiah 53, which is one of the best passages to explain the gospel from. God, in his providence, allowed them to go past a bit of water in the desert where he could get baptized. And then God mysteriously transports Philip away after this mission was finished. From beginning to end, God was the one taking the initiative to save this Ethiopian eunuch. He's the radical one. He's the one who cares. He's the one who wanted to reach this man. Because God loves outsiders. 
So if, if you're not a Christian and, and you feel like an outsider in this place, let me just say to you that you don't have to stay on the edges. You, you can come in. If there is someone holding out in your relationship with God, it's not God. His arms are open to you and his heart is for you in Jesus. But this is also comforting for us who are Christians. Our acceptance for God will always forever be on terms of grace. Notice the Ethiopian man, he didn't find God, God found him. He didn't have to impress God, God took the initiative by grace. God found him and invited him in. And notice that Philip wasn't alone in his task of reaching out to this man. The Spirit was with him, guiding him, helping him. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, the same Spirit that empowered Philip for this mission is the same Spirit who we are given by God today to continue this work. So let's be open to the Spirit's leading. Let's slow down enough to notice people around us. Let's humble ourselves and and have the courage to obey God when we are prompted or we sense that we should speak to someone or befriend someone or love someone or serve someone. It's also good for us who are from European descent. It's good for us to remember that the gospel reached Africans first before it ever reached us. The church isn't British or European or American, but nor is it African, Jewish or Asian. The church is multi-ethnic. Because God is gathering a people together from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation to worship Him as one redeemed human people. There are no outsiders in God's family. One of the other lessons we learn from this story is that God's timing is not our timing. Have you noticed, did you notice that the eunuch was in Jerusalem? There's a massive persecution in Jerusalem, but the apostles remained. So if he was in Jerusalem, God could have asked one of the apostles to share the good news with with this eunuch, but he didn't. Instead, he sent Philip all the way down from Samaria, past Jerusalem, down to this desert road. It seems like it could have been so much easier, so much quicker to just send one of the apostles, one of the leaders of the church, to share the gospel with this man. And it just reminds us that God's timing is not our timing, and God's ways are not our ways. And perhaps this man was not ready to hear the gospel yet. We don't know. We're not told that. But when we are feeling discouraged about people we're trying to reach out to, when we feel like it's not working according to what we think should happen or our timing, we can remember this story. We can remember that God is at work, that God's wisdom is supreme, that God can save anyone. So let's keep praying and keep reaching and keep sharing. It's our job to speak. It's God's job to save. It's our job to share the message. It's God's job to soften the heart. And this brings us to our second movement in the story. First, we've seen the God who sends. Second, we see the word which saves. The word which saves. Let me ask you, how does God normally save people? How does he usually bring people to himself? Well, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And this is exactly what the story shows us. Philip approaches the chariot this man was traveling in. And as Philip draws near, he hears the man reading Isaiah 53. In the ancient world, it was very rare for people to read in their head silently. Most people would read out loud. So he asks him if he understands what he's reading. And the man essentially says, no, I need someone to explain it for me. 
So let's just admit, this is a pretty great setup. This is about as good as it gets. Imagine if you're sitting down the train, there's someone sitting next to you, they're reading the Bible, and they're a little bit confused, and you just say, oh, would you like some help with that? This is like an evangelism alley-oop. All you've got to do is just dunk that thing. Adam's joke, I have to give him credit for that one. (laughs) All you've got to do is say, do you need some help? And this is what Philip does. He takes the opportunity presented to him. Philip's obedience throughout the story is inspiring. When the angel tells him to go, he goes. When the spirit prompts him to go up to the chariot, he does. When he feels compelled to speak, he speaks. He doesn't delay or make excuses, he just does it. I know sometimes in my life when I've had a strong compulsion perhaps to speak to someone, usually I delay or excuses start flooding into my mind. But Philip obeys. He probably didn't understand completely. It probably seemed illogical to him at times to leave, for example, that thriving ministry in Samaria to go to this deserted road. But this is what God had told him to do, so he did it. Whenever it comes to a choice between what we want to do or what God says we should do, you and I know that there is no real choice. We must do as God says. And this is what Philip does. He obeys God and reaches out to this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, the eunuch, by God's providence, was reading from Isaiah 53. It's this rich passage that speaks about a mysterious servant, a servant who would suffer and die for the sins of others. And the eunuch asks Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. This scene shows us how God normally saves people. Of course, there are lots of ways God can save them. God is not bound by what we think, but the usual way that God softens a heart is through the message about Jesus from the Scriptures. Paul says in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 1 Peter 1 says, For you have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. James 1.18 says, He brought us forth by the word of truth. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, The sacred writings are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. God's word is the way that God saves sinners. It's the way he brings in outsiders. We see this right throughout the book of Acts. Again, Acts. again and again, we see Luke stop to give this summary statement. He says, and the word of God spread. And the word of God spread. And the word of God spread. God's word was getting out there and it was making all the difference. And this is why we really want to encourage you to think about using this resource that we're making available for free, the Word One to One. It's so simple. It just has chapters of John's gospel in each of these little booklets. And on the other side of each page, after you read the passage with a friend, it has some explanatory notes. So you don't even have to be, you don't even have to know much. You just need to be a page turner. You just need to be able to read with someone. So as you get to know people and love people and pray for opportunities, you might get the chance to say to someone one day, well, would you ever like to read the Bible? Would you like to read it with me? I'd love to read the Bible with you. And you meet with them and you open up and Then at the end of reading together, you just ask them, how did you find that? Would you like to read that again sometime? If you'd like one of these books, they're available for free in that back corner over there. You write down your name and your phone number. We'll put it into a system 
and just follow you up from time to time to see how you're going. We want to equip you to get the word out there because it's God's word that makes all the difference. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. You may have heard of Craig Rochelle before. He was a pastor, or he is a pastor in Life Church in Oklahoma. And the Bible was what changed his life. He was at college when he first read the Bible. He was at college, he was interested more in parties and girls. But as he was walking along campus, this older gentleman gave him a Gideon's Bible. And he went to a nearby baseball field and he opened it up and he read it. And as he encountered Christ in the scriptures, he was completely changed. He had a complete life-transforming moment. He responded to God. The Word of God made this, this man a child of God. And he's gone on to do wonderful things in God's name to this day. He's, he's one of the ones, his church is the one that started up the, the Bible app, which is available for millions and millions of people around the world. That's Craig Rochelle's story. Another story that Adam read this week that I want to share with you, uh, it was about a, a Muslim imam, an Islamic leader. He was once asked to do a series of character studies on great people from the Quran, people like Abraham, Joseph, David, and also the prophet Jesus. In Islam, Jesus is a prophet. When he came to prepare his talk on Jesus, this man wanted to know more background information, so he borrowed a Bible and started reading the Gospels. And as he realized that Jesus was more than a prophet, his, his Muslim friends were appalled and excommunicated him. But he kept on reading. And he, he came to faith in Jesus on his own, just reading the Bible. And he went and found a local Christian to get, him, to get baptized. And then he joined Operation Mobilization, evangelizing his own people and his own nation. Incredible. The Word of God is living and active. And so I want to issue you with a comfort and a challenge today. We'll start with a challenge first. Could you do what Philip did? If someone was reading a passage, perhaps from the Old Testament, would you be able to explain the good news about Jesus from that passage? Do you understand that the Bible is a big story that leads to Jesus? Hopefully you do. We spent the last 10-week series looking at that big theme of the Bible. But do you think you could do it on your own? Do you know your Bible well enough? Do you know the gospel clearly enough? Could you explain how Isaiah 53 points to Jesus? Trisha read it for us earlier. I'll just read a little bit and just show you how it might be done. So it says, and this is Isaiah speaking hundreds of years before Jesus was even had come to earth. He said, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Could you, if someone was reading that, could you go over to them and say, well, all of us are like this sheep. We've all gone astray. We've all turned away from God. But this man it's talking about, that he took up our suffering and bore our pain that was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. That was Jesus at the cross. He was representing us. He was taking our place. He was paying the penalty that our sins deserve. And that's why it says the punishment that brought us peace was on him. 
Jesus secured our peace with God. Could you do something along those lines? I want to challenge you to dig more deeply into the Bible. It's been said the best thing a pastor can do for people is to get them regularly reading the Bible, to get them engaging with God's Word. Because it's in the pages of God's Word that we principally encounter God Himself. And what could be more important, what could be more valuable than that? I want to encourage you to read your Bible on a daily basis. That's a good goal to aim towards. Not as a legalistic ticking of the box, but as a good goal to help you grow, to help you know Jesus better. There are lots of important things we do every day. We brush our teeth every day. We eat and drink every day. The Bible is more important than those things. Should we not be reading the Bible every day? Now, if you don't get to it every day, don't beat yourself up. Just read it again the next day. That's the challenge. What about the comfort? Well, maybe you identify more with the Ethiopian man. When you read the Bible, you find it confusing. You're not sure what you're reading. You find it difficult to understand. And this story shows us it's okay to struggle. That's okay. The Bible is rich and deep and nuanced and ancient. It's normal to find the Bible difficult at times. It's okay to struggle to understand the Bible. It's not okay to do, it's, it's not okay to do nothing about it. So let me encourage you to keep showing up to church to hear the word preached, to keep reading it even when you don't understand it, to get some resources to help you, a study Bible, a commentary, a friend who's further along in the journey. It's okay to struggle with reading the Bible. This is the comfort we receive from this story. It's just not okay to do nothing about it. Because who knows when God might give you an opportunity to share the word with, which saves with someone else. We should be ready for that opportunity. Philip was ready for his opportunity. In fact, he took it with both hands. And God used it powerfully in the life of this Ethiopian man. And this brings us to the third movement of the story. First, we saw the God who sends. Second, the word which saves. Thirdly and finally, the man who believes. The man who believes. After hearing from Philip about Jesus, this Ethiopian man makes a decision. He repents and believes. He puts his trust in Jesus. He receives the sign of belonging to Jesus by getting baptized in some water on the side of the road. And this is what baptism is. It's a sign of belonging to Jesus. It's a symbol of all that Christ has done for us. It involves water because when we come to Jesus, Jesus washes us clean, cleanses us from all of our sin. Jesus pours his spirit out into our hearts, filling us with fresh power to live for God. Baptism is a rich symbol of the gospel. The Ethiopian man receives Jesus. And he actually asks a great question, which we find in verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Now, I love that question. Because when he would have gone to the temple, something would have stood in the way for him going any further in. But obviously, the gospel had been explained to him well. Because he knew that there was nothing standing between him and a relationship with God if he wanted to repent and put his faith in Jesus. Because of all that Jesus had done, all of the barriers had been removed and this outsider was made an insider forever. Now, of course, this was always God's plan. 
In fact, if the Ethiopian eunuch kept reading Isaiah, he would have come to an amazing promise in chapter 56, which says this, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. But this is what the Lord says, to the eunuch who keep my Sabbath, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And this promise is fulfilled in Acts chapter 8. This man is made a son of God through faith in Christ. He is given a name that will endure forever. The outsider is made an insider in God's family forever. And so here's a question I want to ask you this morning. What's stopping you from coming to Christ? What's standing in your road? The truth is every barrier has been removed. If you find yourself on the outer today, it's not because God hasn't invited you in. God has done everything to bring you home. That's why Jesus came from heaven to earth. Jesus took on human flesh. He was coming to be our human representative. He didn't just love outsiders, he represented outsiders. He didn't just love outsiders, which, which he did. He loved prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners, and he ate with them. But he represented them. So at the beginning of his ministry, he was baptized by John. It was a baptism of repentance. Jesus had never sinned. He was perfectly righteous. But he was representing human rebels. He was representing human sinners and outsiders. So he was baptized. And this is why he went to the cross. It wasn't a tragedy. It wasn't an accident. Jesus chose that out of love for the outsider, out of love for people like us, out of love for that Ethiopian eunuch. He went to the cross and Isaiah says, surely he has taken up our transgressions and bore our pain and our suffering. He was crushed for our iniquities. He paid the penalty for our sin. He died in our place so we might be brought peace and wholeness and peace between us and God. The ability to have that relationship with God that we lost in Eden. So what's holding you back? What's stopping you from coming to Christ? Thanks to all that he has done for us, there are no more barriers. There is nothing stopping you. There is only a warm and eternal welcome from God. Let's pray together. Just while we're in this time of prayer and keeping our eyes, we keep our eyes closed, heads bowed. I just want to talk to you while you're in that moment of prayer. If you haven't come to Christ, but you want to come to Jesus today, if you want to put your faith in Him today, then I'm going to pray this prayer that you can pray along with me. And it's just a simple prayer. I'm just, it's just going to be a prayer of saying sorry to God for the, for the bad things I've done, repenting saying yes to Jesus as Lord, embracing Him as Lord and King of your life, and saying thank you for what He did for you at the cross and for God's warm acceptance. So if you want to come to Jesus, I urge you to come. 
And I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. God, I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for when I've turned my back on you and I've led my own path and I've ruled my own life as if I am wiser than you. Lord, I I turn away from that and I turn to Jesus. And I say yes to Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I embrace him as Lord, as my King. I want to follow him. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me, for free forgiveness, purchased at the cross, for new life, and for warm acceptance into God's family. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.